Welcome back to a brand new episode of The Talk, the podcast about changing the world from Nordea Private Banking. And in this episode, I'm interviewing one of the founders and the head of design for a company that has probably designed quite a few of the items you have at home, even though we don't realize they have because it's top secret. What we do know is that their client list includes some of the world's biggest and or most interesting companies like Facebook, Google, Sony, Samsung, Ikea, Sonos, Bowers & Wilkins, Dell, Poc, iSettle, Cake Electric Motorcycles, Boogaboo, and many, many others. The company is called Above, and a quick look at their website above.se reveals an incredible level of design and innovation. I have visited their office, and even though the strict non-disclosure agreement that I signed prohibits me from telling you most of what I saw, what I can tell you is that it reminded me of Q's secret laboratory from the James Bond movies. The same secrecy makes this interview a little tricky as we have to dance around many of the more concrete questions. But I still think you will enjoy it a lot. So here's my conversation with the co-founder and design director of Above, Jonas Samrelius. If you would describe Above to me, how would your description be? Above is a Scandinavian innovation agency that's driving positive change through a seamless fusion of design and technology. So what we do is we design, prototype, and develop better futures for people and the planet. That was uh, a, a mouthful. So yeah. <laughs> what, what is the description in three words? What do you do? You design the future? Yeah, we kind of we, we kind of stand with two legs, one in the future and one in the now. And what we do is we take strategy and we turn it into something tangible that can kind of improve the speed of um, getting into the future faster. Right. And how, how long have you been doing this for? So um, when I started thinking about this prior to the podcast, I have been doing something like this for 14 years, but I think it has come in many different shapes. So what I'm doing now is not exactly what I was doing 14 years ago. But somehow you've managed to land all these super huge international assignments. I know that most of your clients and, and the projects are top secret, but I see on your webpage that you are working with uh, companies like uh, Cake, the electric motorcycle company, and uh, you're working with uh, Facebook and Google and Ikea and Sonos. I, you know, it's a huge list of, of companies there. Yeah, so I mean, if you go into our website, you will see that we work with uh, a range of different amazing partners. Some of them we will never be able to speak about what we do, but for some I can give you a glimpse of what our reality looks like because um, it, it's very, very interesting to be able to see what these companies are doing and be a part of their journey forward. So one of the companies we work really close with is Blueware, which is a, a Swedish company that's owned by Unilever, and they do air purifiers and uh, their biggest market is China. But uh, of course, uh, it's rapidly developing across the globe as air quality is poor and has high impact on people's health. So for them, we're kind of this integrated part where we help them design, develop, and uh, put these products into production. And th that's, that feels great that you can do something that contributes to, to a better world. And then we have, uh, on the other hand, we have Sonos, where we are helping them uh, explore and define 
future products, interactions, and experiences uh, that they're not doing today. A little bit more secret. And then, um, you know, on the third kind of axle, we have Globe, which is a startup. So some of these companies are bigger. Uh, and then for them, we kind of, uh, we work with innovation and we help them take those innovations into the marketplace. Uh, but for startups, smaller companies, we could be the vessel that can help them take their idea into reality. So we, uh, half a year ago, we started working with this startup called Globy. It's a, it's a platform for drone pilots to kind of come together and uh, provide images for different kind of areas. Uh, for instance, in Malawi, drones captured images of the streets and then the team could use AI to count number of houses. Uh, so it's providing relief for um, areas that kind of needs support where you're not able to use other kind of technologies to map an area. Uh, so we help them build a, a platform for that. So that shows a little bit of the range of what we do. Um, and that's basically what we offer clients. It's that that outside perspective. And it seems to me like if you work with all these super diverse companies creating super advanced drone maps and on the one hand and Sonos speakers on the other and POC helmets or electric motorcycles on the third and fourth, then then you can start bringing in perspectives maybe from a drone project into uh, an IKEA product or something like that. And that's kind of where your value gets added that you have all those perspectives in, in one company. I mean, we could go one way and or there's two ways to go. Either you become a specialist or a generalist and we're definitely a generalist, but we're also in a very specialized way. I mean, we, we of course, like things infuse one another, of course, like uh, let's take uh, the technology sector where you try to kind of integrate and humanize technology today. And then you draw inspiration from furniture and, and textile and fashion. So so the infusion of different, yeah, and the different lenses or perspectives are super valuable for our clients. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you think of like a, a, a test kit for coronavirus today, that needs to be super easy to use for an ordinary person. I mean, certainly Sonos has come further in that regard than most of the med medicine companies, maybe, for example, uh, or medical supply companies, I would imagine, right? Mm. Yeah, they're not in the corona tests yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, but, but uh, I mean... That would be the, cool, though. <laughs> that, would, that would be cool. But I think that it's, it has something to do with just sheer volume, right? If you have like these consumer products that everybody uses and they, you can see and learn how everybody uses those products and, and how they, they become like the natural part of life, and you can apply that to more kind of a niche or... or uh, uh, specialized or business-to-business -business, uh, uh, products that that you can understand that that can be very useful. Mm. Yeah. So, so my um, biggest dream right now is to be able to take like we have this amazing team where we can explore both like future and, and strategy and take it into something that could be built here and now because that is the the strength we have. It's not just uh, future thinking and, and dreamy. Google Glass kind of stuff, but it also can be made and people will kind of, you know, 
appreciate it and use it. But I would love to find a context where we could apply that thinking into the five to 10 year horizon, actually driving uh, innovations and ideas that uh, are going to be fueling the economy and a better society, like green tech, uh, electric uh, transportation, and things like that. So any any investor out there that's interested in partnering up in this future factory where we build uh, the future companies of of the Nordics, reach out. We're speaking right now. That we should probably say that we're speaking on the twenty seventh of March, and that's uh, in pretty much uh, lockdown for most of the United States, and and not yet here in Sweden so much, but I guess it's getting here maybe. Uh, so that kind of, and that's we're also recording this remotely for that reason. Exactly. And yeah, so this is actually a, probably a pivotal moment uh, for the world where things are going to change quite a bit, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think there's definitely going to be a, a post and pre-COVID uh, time. Um, and I think that's like, since we work a lot with innovation and what we do is we stretch out and explore, you know, how to relate to the future. This is going to be a pivotal moment for a lot of companies out there. And, and it's great possibilities with that as well. Like it, it's how you react to this crisis that will determine what's going to happen to the future of the company. Yeah, which makes it, I mean, it's a super interesting time. And it's a time where hierarchy is going to change quite a bit. Mm. Uh, and I think, I mean, the people that have that attitude to it, I think have a, a huge gains to make. Uh, not least if you're in what you're doing. I mean, you are an innovation company. You are looking several years ahead, I imagine, right? Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. We can we can work on different horizons. It could be short term and it could be medium term and long term. Uh, and then what you do, you kind of project into the future and you, you cost the scenario that's going to happen. And then you can apply different kind of lenses to that horizon where you reflect on how that will affect the uh, products or businesses or culture or sustainability. Prior to the corona, we just came back uh, from India, where we were um, selected by one of the largest companies in the world to explore health tech. Like, and, um, you know, this good, good timing. Yeah, exactly. It's super interesting. It's this intersection between predictive healthcare using data and, and AI combined with hardware and and y- having a team that we could go in and identify how to make that relevant for people and culture in India was just so interesting. And then like that for me is super inspiring. So, so that's, I'm proud of that. I think um, there's also other products. I mean, most of this, like you said, most of the stuff we do is classified. It's top secret it's part of company strategy and will never be exposed can never speak about it not even with um, friends and family so, so it's kind of you're kind of restricted of of bragging about the stuff you do <laughs> you're kind of this uh, secret uh, agent that that operates behind the scenes but i mean the stuff that reaches the mar- market i think the payment systems we've helped uh, the the friends over at iSettle to to create and for those who doesn't know, iSettle is um, this uh, disruptive payment systems. Um, we were we, we helped them create the hardware that you see in the cafes every day, um, and that's helped them immensely. You know, scaling up their offering and attracting new customers into their ecosystem. So some of the stuff you know you see it every day. It's 
something you don't think about and and for, and then ranging from that to personal point of views um I think it's I'm extremely glad and happy for the massive attention the team around the cake bike is getting and um, feels great to have been part of that journey for a while. For those who don't know that what the cake bike is is an electric motorcycle that's very cool and it looks like something from the future for sure. Yeah, we were kind of using the like um and 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 Stefan and the guys had this idea of let's try to do something that's the opposite and it's a great uh, tool I think for when you move into a category that doesn't exist you don't have the legacy of what people depict an item as. So you have the freedom to be doing opposite things and and um I think that works out great for them. It does look amazing. When you look at your website, I mean there are some super uh, impressive projects here just uh, from the ones you can see and most of them you probably can't see. You can see the one you can see the pock helmet, and you can see the ice settle stuff, and you can see uh, the, the cake bike and and ice settle uh, the ice settle hardware and a few other things. But most of the things are classified. So we need to find a way to work around that we can't talk about most of your work hmm. uh, but maybe we can talk a little bit about uh, uh, the process how does it work because you, you're kind of it's, it's this there's the saying that the best way to predict the future is to create it and in your case i guess the best way to predict the future is just to design whatever you want to design <laughs> and that's and that's going to be the future and what is what's the process for that how does that work for you we were able to create this free thinking teams that we can give access to leaders or leadership to come with their challenges. So we're not a strategy firm per se. We're not McKinsey doing data crunching, but we can take those keynotes or decks or post-it exercises and we, we take them in and we iterate around those. When we do that, we, we try to move from uh, thinking through doing Uh, So the combination of using your brain and your hands to learn and iterate. So the idea is before you would invest into a specific product or experience or new business model, it's it's a fairly good idea to try it out first in small. So we try to use the best tool available. It could be building a prototype. It could be uh, making a little pilot where we convert the shop into something else. Uh, We could be shadowing customers around uh, a specific service solution. Uh, And then we take people into the field so they could create empathy for their customers or users uh, given one of the solutions. And then basically using a software process where you you iterate, uh, but to be able to do that in any kind of context, so physical and digital. So you project into, you you take whatever you have, you look into the future and you speculate what the future might hold. And then you create something tangible, uh, making it real for people to understand what that would mean. And then you bring them back to the now and you think about, based on what I know now, what do we do next? Right, so it's almost like an agile process. Yeah, exactly. I think there's this uh, chasm between what you see here. It's like, okay, there's something magical going on when you can create all those things. But in the other end, you have just regular people, uh, you know, eating their breakfast, going to work uh, and living ordinary lives. Uh, And that's kind of, that magic is, I think, hard for people to understand sometimes. But uh, what about you? I mean, when you wake up in the morning, you have your regular life, but I imagine that you also 
need to find all these things to get inspired by and bring them to work and create all this magic that's going to project you know years into the future what what does that look like for you what do you, what what inspires you in your everyday everyday life in my everyday life i try to get different perspectives in so i think listening to podcasts uh, is a great source of inspiration and i also think that i um i do a lot better if i exercise physically so it's two very basic things i get information and i try to exercise for my brain basically so so running and listening is a great source of inspiration and then of course there's sources of information that i think are really interesting i really believe that we could uh, create a, a future place that's better by being positive about the future uh, and kind of try to accelerate to get there and i think yeah, they're like melinda and bill gates and their foundation is super interesting there's also a part of google uh, the moonshot factory that has the ability to detach from the now to think about you know the 5 to 10 year horizon that's doing some good writing that's super interesting there's probably this uh, almost like superheroes around the world doing the same thing you are doing right and and then uh, podcasting about it and writing about it and you have your little gang of superheroes that kind of inspire each other i guess yeah and in that i think we what i also get a lot of energy from is the team uh, i also am a, a great fan of self experimentation that's also very interesting so you know taking in information try it on yourself see what you can learn connect with new people in in new areas you would never thought of and um, it, it takes you somewhere you also have offices not only in Sweden you have offices in San Francisco and uh, Shenzhen. Yes, that's correct. When we started to get some attention on the west coast a, a number of clients reached out and said why don't why don't you open up uh, a shop over here? So uh, in the summer we decided to start a really small satellite setup over there. Now we're having a really little bit of a hard time getting there. <laughs> <laughs> Physically, um, physically yes. but you are working remotely, right? Yes, we all are we, actually. We, I mean, who is not working remotely these days? <laughs> uh, yeah, and that itself is super interesting. I think um, the learnings that come out that work from home is definitely not going to go away after the corona. Now, we are definitely accelerating learning in that space every day. I'm, I'm, I know we are, and I'm sure a lot of other companies that may not may not have done it so much. I mean, you have obviously done it for a while, and uh, so have we, but not everybody has, has that, I, I think. It is a challenge working from home, but if you kind of look at that, at that challenge, there's also an opportunity with that because all of a sudden, everyone is neighbors. Anyone could work with anyone. It doesn't matter. Like I could be working with my neighbor that's just one floor down in the house, or I could work with someone from Japan. Yeah, uh, and I mean... Uh, that that is super interesting. I think what we're going to see, if anything, in the Corona crisis, is that the, the winners in in this are going to be the optimists. I think uh, the, the people that see opportunities. Yes. Looking into the Corona thing, I think also that the companies that are going to be having the toughest times are the ones. It's something with velocity of people. Like if you're highly dependent on interactions between humans, that's going to be hard to replace. And you're going to see uh, 
I think we're going to see a lot of new companies popping out from this that are taking advantage of what, of the learnings and the challenges from the current situation. For sure, yeah, yeah. I'm, that's just evolution, right? We, we've been doing that forever, adapting to the the whatever disturbance appears in the system. Yeah, I mean, crisis equals opportunity. Yeah, and what opportunities do you see for for uh, for your company or for your clients? The natural reaction to crisis is um, ma- like managing the crisis. It's a very safe bet to kind of like when crisis hits you that you think about your core. And it's that's how a lot of large companies will react. They will focus on their core business. They will try to consolidate around that and put less efforts into innovation. Uh, I think it's super interesting how you see uh, initiatives happening right now. I can't remember the details around this, but you and I spoke about how the Scandinavian airlines kind of shifted the the people they had to put uh, put on leave into the healthcare system because they have some basic training and they can be you know creating value elsewhere. So I think um, for us, like we're always a catalyst for for change. So uh, of course we're impacted because clients are risk adverse to some level, but there's also going to be the clients that are going to try to take the challenge head on to get some head first on on, on new products. Yeah, I mean, there obviously also, I know that you can't talk about secret projects, so I can't ask you what you're up to, but I, I can see opportunities, of course, in, in uh, helping the world right now and designing new test kits and that kind of thing, for example, right? Yeah, exactly. No comment? <laughs> uh, no, no comment. Yeah, I, this was in a way I pr- was preparing for this interview, and in a way, it's just like it's one of the hardest interviews to do because I can't ask you about so many things that I want to ask you about. You can and, always uh, ask, and I can say yeah. no comments. Yeah, and there's so many projects. I mean, in a way, the most interesting interesting thing is to talk about the projects that you're doing, and and I mean the the future things that you know about that's going to be in our hands in like two or three years. Uh, so I want to talk to you about that, but I can't, and it's so frustrating. But mm. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to see, uh, you know, how we can work around that and, and get value out of this um, anyway. But what do you, but just if you look at the, the past, like the history of, of design and, and products and, and beyond the things you have designed, what are some iconic designs that you think have kind of changed the world? The iPhone is one example that's very known to to everyone. It uh, it made a whole industry tank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's hard to if you th- now it's so obvious to everybody that a phone should look like that. It should be a screen, and you should touch it. And and we forget that that's like a what eleven year old innovation. Yeah, and but you could basically see it coming because working with um, handsets, for instance, what you could see is you would have one team working on like the physical representation of what the phone would look like. And then you would have a separate team that would be working with the content. And you just had like working with experiences, you know, that's not that's not going to create most value uh, for people. So Apple took the advantage uh, of building that platform and focused on the experience. Objects can, you know, what, what is an object and what is design? And why people attach to to them? That that's quite an interesting question as well. Like, do you reflect on that object as a practical, efficient tools that improves your daily life? 
or is it some sort of status object that possesses um, monetary value, or is it an object that you kind of connect with emotional uh, value? I mean, there are certainly different different kinds of one type of design is more like art, I guess, where it's beautiful but not very useful, and then there's the other type of design where it's just like beautifully designed to work really, really well. And the, the best products, I guess, are the ones that are both. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but but I think it's a it's an interesting question to to reflect. Like, if I just reflect on the things I have in my house, what, what what's worth keeping, and why why do I attach to that object? Yeah, and and I know one question we were talking about earlier when before this was like, if you would save one design object from a burning house, what would that what would that be? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean. Some of the stuff probably could you just keep it burning. You can you can remake <laughs> the objects. Uh, yeah, or buy a new one. Buy a new one. Um, but I think it's more of the the stories probably for for me personally. The the items that holds the story and heritage around them more important. Like I, I coming to this interview, you asked me to think about something I would say from a fire, and we have this um, easy chair that's designed by Otto Schulz. That is kind of, yeah, I mean, it's a nice chair, but I inherited it from my grandfather and it's been around with us for some while. And I have some some really, really great memories connected to that object. So, you know, it, it's, um, yeah, I, I probably saved that chair. Yeah, and I, I guess that that's uh, interesting because it had, has really nothing to do with design then. It's more like what it means to you and how hard it is to replace, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and the, the design that you make, it's, it's uh, I mean, it's made for mass consumption, most of it, right? Yeah, it's made for mass consumption. And I think um, um, for those who are familiar with design, there's different ways to engage with design as a tool. It's um, There's this ladder of value that you can apply with design, where in the beginning you kind of um, see design as something you can or in the beginning, you don't think about design. You just create things. And then like next step is you you make the object look beautiful. And then you start to look, work with design as a tool to uh, understand people's behavior more as a process tool. Like how is this product used? And when is it used? And is it connected to other products? Uh, and then, you know, you start to apply in the, the you know, higher tiers you start to apply design around how to you know inform the company what products are you selling it's more strategic too yeah and that's uh, that's that's like the cycle of every product uh, or every piece of technology right you, you design it first to just work and yeah as a saw it will start like if you have a saw company you will make a good saw and then you start to think about how you can you know create more value from that uh technology or production you have yeah and i i guess that's a very human quality of creating things i mean that's probably what we've always been doing first we created a a spear that was uh good for hunting and then more and more beautiful spears and then somebody became the spear maker and, and you know evolved yeah. the spear but i think it's it's the human nature of like betterment um in all contexts like not being satisfied, looking for something that's better, you know, lighter, and not just coming to products. It's about everything. Like we aspire for 
better things. Yeah, and I guess it's about efficiency. Sometimes you you see people talking about why do we even need more stuff, but in a way, it's it's about efficiency. It's about getting. I mean, the the if you see somebody like you're in the really low ends of the ladder uh, economically or socially today has access to more computing power than NASA in the 60s or uh, 70s. Oh, that's that's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, that's that goes for everything. I mean, we have, people have access to vaccines and people have access to, you know, all kinds of things that because we have evolved things into to, uh, you know, cheaper and better production and, and uh, just more functional and e- efficient things i guess which is you know a huge part of the design uh, design role yeah but it's also for me like we spoke about what kind of drives people i i really like it's it's almost something you can't see something and try to improve it and um that could be you know superpower but it could also be somewhat kind of um negative you're always seeking something to improve nothing is perfect uh, and uh, but what I'm interested in is in this um, I don't know what you call it really in English but like pivot like the pivot effect I, I love constraints and try to climb around the constraints and then just knowing what you have kind of in terms of energy or uh, be it money or the assets you have and then find the perfect place to apply that energy to get a pivoting effect and um, I, I think um, that's the most interesting part, being creative and, and innovative, is finding the mix. Everything is already made. It's about how you put together a few elements uh, in a new way. So that thing kind of can drive me crazy almost. Yeah, it's about optimizing the resources that we have, I guess. Yeah. Um, and that's beautiful. And, you know, I I would have... I think we should get back to to this uh, some other time and talk about some specific project that we make up for the day and just have an episode about how to solve a specific problem that you don't that is not yours from work so that's not secret uh, that would be very interesting to hear like how you approach something like that and how you think about something like that but we need to save that for another time because our time is almost up here and that would be super interesting that we get together maybe invite someone like a a guest someone we want to have someone i want to have on this as well together with with you and speak about the specific topic see if we can find that interesting angle i think the whole situation we are in right now is is like i want to emphasize like the opportunities that are out there like then we will see new companies spring from this of course others will have a really hard time might tank but um i and i think um look at the opportunities and be open around how to to uh, react to them don't just go into a freeze mode uh, from like trying to freeze or flight but try to fight uh, and make a few quick decisions and then get going and um, learn as you go i think what we'll see now is is uh, is that you know some people will come up with ideas that are like i mean that's just great ways of of using this opportunity uh, that this you know that this also is besides being a catastrophe 
And uh, then, you know, when that happens, they'll inspire somebody else. That, and then eventually that will inspire somebody else that doesn't want to miss out either. And then we'll be back in the game again. So, yeah. you know, that's super important. And that kind of optimism and creativity, I think, is, uh, is uh, that that's what we need to, uh, to save us right now. Yeah. And, and I mean, if you think about it, the whole world is in work from home mode. We're all neighbors. <laughs> I love I love that you said that. That's a great way to end this show. And uh, I'm really looking forward to talking to you soon again. And um, let's set a date for that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, I think you will love the ones we have in the pipeline for you. We have some truly amazing guests coming up. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast player to make sure you don't miss any of them. Also, we would love if you could help us rate this podcast on iTunes to help us spread the word. That makes a huge difference. I'm Walter Neslin, and I look forward to seeing you soon in the next episode of The Talk, a podcast about changing the world by Nordia Private Banking. <laughs>